Good morning. Well, we've made it to the final Sunday of 2020, and I know for many of you, that is a huge relief. This year has just been one for the books. And even though this is the last Sunday, I know that once 1 January 2021 hits, that's going to be an even greater relief just because now it's official. 2020 is done. So I don't have to go over and recap everything that's happened this year just because we have all lived it live, up front, and in person. And it's caused a lot of stress. It caused a lot of strain on each of us. And that stress and strain has led to, I would say, fractures in some of the relationships that we have had. And these refract, these fractures have caused us to uh, create this division and this divide because we uh, disagree over certain issues that have come up this year. And that's at a national level. This divide is kind of unusual to me because I tend to think as social creatures, as humans, when we're facing challenges and we're facing things um, that stress us, that we would typically draw together and we would unite in order to have protection and to combat it together. Um, but that just seems the opposite of what's happening right now. Well, I played football when I was a kid. I also played in high school. I played a couple of years in college. I was good. I, I was pretty good, but I wasn't great. Um, and when I played, I was on the defense. I played inside linebacker. And in that position, I was able to level pain and hit people. Didn't like to be hit, but I definitely like to hit people. Well, one of the things that I noticed early on, whether I was on the sideline, in the game, or in the huddle, was that there were some key early indicators of how the game was going to progress. If someone blew a play, if someone missed an assignment, usually they would come back to the huddle or the sideline and the other teammates may start to bicker with them and yell at them and complain about them. And it just caused some division that would happen among us. It caused us to divide. We weren't necessarily a team anymore. There was this division and it made it more difficult for us to carry out our roles because of the division. In that, in a team, on a team, you have to really depend on each and every player to do their job. So like I said, there were, there were indicators there. And those indicators, if we continued in that way and it wasn't curbed or, or changed or checked, we probably wouldn't win a game. We probably wouldn't make the next play uh, to keep uh, them from scoring. But with that said, the thing I think about when I think about 2020 that's really challenged me the most and kind of, if I'm really to be honest, disheartened me, is the division that I've seen in the church, God's church, the body of Christ, we who call ourselves Jesus followers, Christians, and believers. It seems like we didn't sit down on the sideline when all of this division um, and all of this chaos was coming about because of these issues we faced in 2020. The church kind of took it on, not necessarily in a leadership role, but cause division amongst us, where we have family not talking to family. We have friends that have a lot of separation between them. And again, it's just a lot of division and a lot of divide that's going on 
in our very church. That is not the body of Christ. That is not the body of Christ. So the question is, well, what do we do about it and how do we get back to being the body of Christ? In John chapter 17, verses 20 through 23, these are Jesus' words. I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me so that they may be made completely one that the world may know that you sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. So I'd like to give you some context for this scripture. First of all, chapter 17 in its entirety is considered Jesus's longest prayer. It's the longest prayer that's recorded in the New Testament. And it can be broken up into about three different parts. The first part of his prayer is that God be glorified in his death and resurrection. The second part of the prayer was to pray for the disciples themselves and for their protection and for their sanctification. But in our passage of scripture, it's that third part, the third part that is of interest to us today. Because in that third part of his prayer, he prays for us. That's right. He prays for you and he prays for me. He prays for those in in the scripture, it says, that will come after the disciples, um, that will become believers due to their word, the words that they uh, wrote, the words that they spoke of Jesus. And it's very interesting because three times in this passage, it speaks about being one. It talks about being one as God and Jesus are one, as he is one with the Father. And he's, his prayer is for us as followers, as Jesus followers, as believers, to also have that unity, have that unity just like he is and he has with God to be unified. And the question is, why? Why does he pray? Why does he pray that? Why does he pray that we are unified? And the answer to that is so that others will know that God sent Jesus, his son. Basically, we are Christians and we are, are sort of the living epistles and the living examples of the Bible. It's what we live. It's what we walk and how we behave. And our unity is what shows the rest of the world that we are his, that we belong to Jesus, and it shows them that we are his followers. So you may ask, well, why is this important? Why is it important? Is because Jesus has prayed and Jesus desire for us to be one. So we're kind of in a dilemma now. We're in a dilemma because, as I've mentioned before, right now the church seems to be just as divided as the rest of our nation, um, especially when it comes to things like uh, racial reconciliation or racial justice, social justice, things of that nature. There's there's a division um, where some feel that, you know, you're leaning a little bit too far right and others feel that you're leaning a little bit too far left. But I believe Christ has made it clear that we are in the center and we're we're following Christ when we do that. And 
we need to make sure that when we're looking at all these um, issues that are happening today, that we are taking a Christ focus on it and not necessarily our own personal worldview. Because our worldview, just like with everyone else in the nation, is causing us to be separated from one another. It's causing a division. It's causing a divide. But if we take a Christ view, if we really heed what Christ is telling us in the scripture and what he is telling us is that he is praying for us to be one, for us to be united, for us to be united, for us to be in unity. And so that is what we must take from this is that for us not to be united, for us not to be unified and as one body of Christ, then then we're going against Christ's prayer. We're going against his desires. We're going against what he has commanded for us to do and for who we are to be. We are joined by Pamela Wright of McLean Stained Glass Studios in her lovely home. Why do we tend to see so much stained glass in churches? Well, when it's, when these churches were built way back, when maybe before even the 1100s, but these Gothic cathedrals that had these gorgeous stained glass, like Notre Dame, the Chartres Cathedral, they, uh, the people then, many of them didn't read and so they would have these gorgeous stained glasses depicting the stories of the Bible, the parables, and the teachings. And so the people would learn about Christianity and spirituality through these beautiful windows. I love the way to see the different colors and the different shapes of uh, the glass as yeah. they come together to make these these beautiful, beautiful pieces of art. It's, it's just such a, a great symbol of uh, unity. So, Pamela, from an artist's perspective, how do you see stained glass having to do anything or something with unity? Especially a mosaic, because the little pieces are like jigsaw, and you you put them together. They're all different shapes, sizes, colors. And isn't that humanity? Isn't that unity? It's just everything coming together as one Mm. to make something beautiful. So, from your perspective as an an artist that deals with uh, stained glass and mosaics, uh, with our current world being so divided, what would be your advice that you would give? I think that um, love, mm. absolutely love, and uh, treating one another with respect and dignity, everyone, uh, being your authentic self, and um, don't buy into fear, you know? Don't buy into fear. Mm. This is temporary, this life. Yeah. The other side's eternal. <laughs> That is that is wonderfully Amen. said. That is wonderfully said. <laughs> so I want to thank you for your time. You're welcome, Steve. Right. My pleasure. It has been our pleasure, and thank you for being such a gracious host. Oh, thank you. <laughs> These beautiful pieces of art are a great example of what unity is all about. These art pieces are made up of glass, various shapes and various sizes, and they come together with the skill of the artists. And they create these wonderful art pieces that just illuminate a room, a great tapestry of color that's vibrant and alive. But it can only happen when a skilled artist takes these irregular shapes and imperfect pieces and places them precisely in the location where that color is needed so that it creates this wonderful, beautiful, amazing piece of art. So these pieces represent unity. The pieces of the glass 
forming an entire picture that's beautiful to look at. And that takes me back to my football days. If everybody on the team is doing the exact same thing, we can't win. That's why a football team, and especially in my case, the defense is made up of various players. You have linemen, you have linebackers, you have defensive ends, and you have defensive backs. Everybody has a role. Everybody has a responsibility. But together, we collectively come together to fulfill our purpose of defending the goal so that our opponents cannot score. That's, again, just like these stained glass windows and just like mosaics. If we just used one color for everything, that doesn't necessarily give us a picture. It gives us a color. And if it's all the same, we don't necessarily get to see the beauty of it. We don't necessarily get to see the picture. And that's just like the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not looking for the same. It's looking for unity. And it's the unity within the kingdom of God, within the body of Christ, that brings out all the fullness that God has for us. It brings out all the beauty. And we do that by loving and serving one another. Unity is not uniformity. Unity is not uniformity. We don't need to be all the same. We need to accept and value and respect and love the differences that is, that is among us, the differences that are among us. That is what unity is all about. So you might be asking yourself, what does engagement look like? What does unity look like? What does being one look like? Well, it looks like a lifetime journey. Unity is not a, a quick sprint. It's something that we're going to have to continue on this journey, a marathon for our life to continually grow closer and closer together. It also is going to take active involvement from each of us. Each of us are separate little pieces, our separate little parts coming together in an active way to make sure that we are bringing oneness and we're, we're loving on each other and serving one another and glorifying God in that action. Also, unity is not going to be easy. Unity is not going to be comfortable. However, us coming together as one will always be worth it. And what makes it so worth it, what makes it really worth it is because it reflects what God has asked us to do. And that is just to represent him well to the world. And it will cause the world to want to seek out why we, why we as Christians, why we as Jesus followers in the midst of all this division and all this divide that we can remain unified, we can remain one with love, um, with respect and valuing one another, even despite our differences. Um, and it just shows the world God. It shows the world God. So what are we doing at Grace? Well, in 2020, we did a study called Be the Bridge. And what people got out of it mainly is that proximity matters that conversations need to happen and these uncomfortable uncomfortable conversations need to happen for us to acknowledge and to grow. In addition to that, uh, my wife, Julie, and I, as the directors of Racial Reconciliation, have started Let's Talk, which is an informal discussion over Zoom on Friday nights where there is no set agenda. 
But what we're going to do next year that really, really, really excites me. Next year, in 2021, we have three brand new partners. We've been meeting with them in last year, and I am so, so excited to tell you who they are. They're going to help us in the area of reconciliation and justice so that we can make an impact and not just have good intentions. The first in the criminal justice area would be the Sentencing Project, and they focus on public policy. The second is Offender Aid and Restoration, and they really focus on helping folks who have been incarcerated once they are released and getting them situated and reacclimated back into society. So the third partner will be the Mosaics Global Network, and they will be helping us with our church mobilization efforts, and they pretty much provide multi-ethnic church resources to help us grow, teach, and learn. And that is just in addition to all of the partners that we currently have in, in the empowerment area, Little Lights and many of the other partners that you are so well acquainted with. Grace has a long history of partnering with great organizations that do so much in our community. And I'm just extremely excited about adding three new partner organizations to help us continue to build our community, to continue to grow in unity, and to make a difference in the kingdom of God. You see this piece of glass right here? It has jagged edges. It's imperfect, what some people would say. And all by itself, we may not understand the value of it. But when you take this piece of glass, and you take another piece of glass that is another color, and another piece of glass. In the hands of a master artist, these pieces of glass are put in precise locations and they become this beautiful piece of art, like some of the art that you've seen. Stained glass windows, mosaic flooring and walls. This jagged piece of glass, this is me. I'm imperfect. Um, this jagged piece of glass is, is you. None of us are perfect. We're all imperfect people that are redeemed by Christ. But it's when we come together in unity, when we come together in community, we really reflect the kingdom of God and we reflect and glorify God as this beautiful piece of art. And it is God who is that master artist, that puts us in these precise locations to build that community and to grow in that unity. So Grace, I want to challenge you. As we go into 2021, I want you to find another piece of glass, another someone who is different than you. Someone that may not share your same ideology, someone who looks different from you, someone who may have a different political leaning than you. And I want you to have a conversation with them. I want you to be intentional and deliberate about reaching out to them and communicating with them and sharing with them because that is how we engage in and that is how we grow this community of believers that Christ has called us to be. One, as he and the Father are one.